Did you actually sit through the happy birthday scene or did you fast forward it? <laughs> this time? Yeah. I mean, I watched it the first time I saw it. Uh, I tried to, I tried to, I tried to find a way to make it work in my head whenever I was watching it, you know, like see what it is. And, and I think maybe the, the, the thing that's there that, that I hadn't really appreciated in the past was Anna Gunn has a hell of a voice. <laughs> yeah, she does. She does have a great voice. I, I fast forwarded it and, you know, I started watching it and I was just, the cringe is just so intense. And I know the scene so well, it's like burned into my, my brain. <laughs> so, um, yeah. In this rewatch that we've been doing together, this is so far the only time I've fast forwarded through anything. Mm. I just, it's ah, it's so painful. But uh, yeah, she does have a lovely voice. And uh, listening to the Insider podcast, you know, they, they were talking about how cringy this scene is, even for them, the people that wrote it and yeah. then edited it. Yeah, I've been saying, you know, it's, it's strangely uncomfortable. It's like, it's not that strange. It's, it's you made it uncomfortable. <laughs> Definitely. And I think it was uh, George Master said something about um, because no, actually, it was Kelly Dixon. Kelly talked about how like there's like something going on between these two and what's their history. And I mean, it's already been hinted at with like the photo and like the conversation that that Skylar and Marie had about grabby hands at the Christmas party. But um, something that that occurred to me as they were having that conversation on the Insider podcast was that, you know, there was obviously something going on between Marilyn Monroe and JFK, uh, which uh, yeah. in inspired this uh, this scene. So it is uh, it's so uncomfortable it is ugh, so uncomfortable. I guess it's really important, though, to to illustrate how elated Skylar feels like at the end how she's like kind of clutching her pearls but in the good way you know and she's mm -hmm. like got that like look in her eyes or whatever it really uh sets it yeah she says oh I don't look anything like her anymore if I ever did and yeah she really sells that part of it the Anna Gunn as well you know yeah and she's she's so flattered at the at the end of it and it looks almost like you know she's aroused she's turned on by it um, and I think she she plays that off really well, and I think that's really important to to understand the this, the decision that she makes later in the episode. Yeah, I mean, do you think that like Ted, where, where would he be able to get away with that? Like nowadays, like I mean, it's a strange. It's 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 not just for us as viewers, but for everyone that works for his company, that's also got to be a bit strange, right? Yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> I mean, does it constitute as like sexual harassment? No, you know, but it's it's definitely uncomfortable and borderline inappropriate. What about product on hand? How's your inventory? 38 and change. 38 ounces, grams. Pounds. You did say make hay while the sun is shining. Guys, <laughs> why the long faces here? I mean, you're sitting on a gold mine. This is Growth Decay Transformation, a Breaking Battery Watch podcast. I'm Courtney. I'm Pete. And today we're going to be talking about episode 211, Mandala. Pete, you got a synopsis for this one? Yeah, I really tried to streamline this, but everybody is doing a lot. So you're going to have <laughs> yeah. to bear with me a little bit here because um, as much as I tried to 
cut it down, I just there's, there's just actually a lot of stuff happening here. So it opens with a very dramatic teaser where we see Combo get gunned down by a child. Um, there's rival dealers there. And we get the idea they're behind it, but there's no indication of who they are at this point in the story. Walton Schuyler find out that he's a candidate for a risky surgery to remove his tumor now that it's gotten smaller from the radiation. It's not something that usually gets done, but there's a doctor here who thinks he can do it. And right away, Walt agrees to the procedure, even though it's going to cost them $200,000 out of pocket. Jesse calls Walt, who doesn't exactly remember who Combo was, and tells um, him what happened. And then he talks to Skinny Pete, who is rattled by the whole situation and decides to stop selling for them. Oh, and I guess I should ma- mention also that Badger has gone into hiding, essentially. He's he's out in California after what happened with Jimmy in and out So that's all their dealers, basically. They go to see Saul, who tells them that they suck at peddling meth and tells them that he knows of a guy who is very careful, but might be able to buy all 38 pounds that they have on hand. Skyler attends Ted's office birthday party and delivers that that rendition of Marilyn Monroe's happy birthday that she sang to JFK that we talked about in the beginning. Later, she points out a host of problems she's found in accounting. Eventually, he confesses that he's been cooking the books for years to the tune of nearly a million dollars of unreported income. Sky buys his reasoning of wanting to keep the company going and not taking away anybody's jobs, but she says that she won't turn him in, but at the same time, she can't have any part of it. She can't keep working for him. At home, Jesse tells Jane she has to leave. Because he wants to get high and he knows that she's in the program, so he doesn't want to mess up her sobriety. She has a chance to leave, but decides instead to follow him into his bedroom. For the meet at Los Pollos Hermanos, Jesse's late. He's high when he shows up and agitated. And after he storms out, Walt's just left there by himself and he waits, but no one ever shows up to do the meet. Later, whenever he calls Saul to complain, he tells them that the contact was there, but made a decision not to work with them. He emphasizes that the decision is final, saying that with this individual, you only get one shot. With no other options, Walt returns to the restaurant, and while he's sitting there, he starts to, su- he starts to suspect that the manager is the person they were supposed to meet, so he goes and he makes contact. There's a back and forth until the new character, who we find out is named Gus, admits that he changed his mind about the deal because he saw that Jesse was an addict. Walt pleads with him, and there's no confirmation, but they, when they leave, you get the idea that, that there's a chance that they might work together on the, in the future. Skylar decides to go back to work for Ted, despite his financial crimes, and she goes into labor while she's sitting in her office, which they had planned a C-section, so this isn't supposed to happen this way. At home, Jesse listens to a voicemail from Skinny Pete about Combo's funeral, which he missed. Jane shows up with, and it's timed perfectly, so he says, you know, you probably have something else going down. He hangs up, he's upset, and then Jane shows up with what we presume is her drug of choice, heroin, and Jesse tries it out for the first time. While they stay wasted, Walt gets called back to Los Pollos, and he meets a new character who we'll find out is named Victor later. 
He gets very specific instructions to deliver all 38 pounds of the product to a place in exchange for $1.2 million. It has to be done in an hour or the deal's off for good. That's the, it's a challenge, basically. Jesse and Jane are passed out when he arrives at their house, or at Jesse's house, I guess. And so he has to break down the back door. While he's putting the meth into a trash bag, he gets a text from Skylar, whose calls he's been ignoring. It says, baby coming. So he has to make a choice. Does he go deal with that, or does he go do the deal? You know, does he go be with his wife and his family, you know, the, the people he's doing all this for, or does he continue down this road of being a meth kingpin? And he chooses that. He chooses the <laughs> latter. So what did you think? What were your overall impressions of this one? Yeah, this is a this is a huge episode. And we talked a little bit about this off air before we started recording about just how chaotic things are at this point in the series. And, you know, rewatching it closely like this, it's surprising to me how much is packed into these final few episodes and kind of realizing that Jane is, for example, only in a handful of episodes and how when you consider how important the character is and that story arc and, and uh, everything. Um, and just one other thing, as you were you were giving the synopsis, um, something that I was considering and thinking about was what day of the week all of this transpires on. So we know that mm. Skylar had scheduled the C-section for Monday, February 16th, because she didn't want to do it on Friday the 13th. Um, I actually looked it up. So uh, the 16th would have been that following Monday. Monday. Yeah, right, that she yeah. scheduled it for. But obviously, she goes into labor early, and it's like a weekday. When this happens, because we see Walt at work at school, we see Skylar at work, you know, um, mm -hmm. in the office. So I'm wondering if this was Friday the 13th. I tried to look it up online. And when I went to the wiki, they said that Holly's birthday is the 16th. But I think that's wrong, right? Because it wouldn't make sense that Skylar mm -hmm. would have gone to work the day that she was scheduled for a C-section. So yeah, it would ruin the whole thing is, I mean, the if he knew that... I mean, the, it would ruin, it would take a little bit away from the actual decision, right? Because the thing is, is that it's unexpected. He didn't think that afternoon that he had to go to exactly. his wife's C-section. Yeah. yeah. So that would be a bit surprising to me if it actually, if she actually was born on the day that they were going to do it. But um, it doesn't you know. really make sense. So anyway, until proven otherwise, my head canon is that this is Friday the 13th, um, <laughs> which is, uh, I guess, uh very apropos considering uh considering everything. Yeah. He did his uh, he did his his here's Johnny thing from <laughs> Yeah. The Shining on on Friday the 13th. Yep, yes he did. So, yeah, so this is this is a big episode and um the choices that the characters make in this one have really really significant consequences. I mean, we say that pretty much every episode, but this yeah. one really really sets things in into motion. So, um, something that I've noticed uh, this rewatch is how much the Jane and Jesse storyline mirrors the Skylar and Ted storyline. And I never really thought of it in that way. But like we see like the relationships like form around the same time. And um, especially in this one, both Jane and Skylar have opportunity to walk away from, you know, bad, <laughs> bad choices. And they mm -hmm. choose not to. So, of course, Jane um, gets to Jesse's door when he knows she knows he's going to go smoke meth and she turns back right so that was her mistake and then of course uh once uh, Skylar uh, finds out that um you know Benicky has been uh you know 
he's got like close to a million dollars in undocumented revenue, so she can't be a part of it. But then we see her in the parking lot get out of her car. So that's a that's a choice she makes, right? Um, so mm-hmm. a couple other really big decisions, of course, is that Gus had the opportunity to walk away from this deal with Walt, and he did. Um, but you know, against his better judgment decides to give Walt a chance. And then Walt, of course, has that choice of what is he going to do when he gets that text from his from his wife? Is he going to drop everything and go be with her at the hospital as she's giving birth to their child? <laughs> or mm-hmm. is he going to go forward and uh, go through with this this drug deal that um, that he makes? And of course, you know, that's teased at the end, but we know he doesn't, right? Like we know that he's going to to go through with um with the drug deal. I guess I was really thinking a lot about the money in this one. So you talked a little bit about this um earlier, Pete, but the the question of like why he does it and like, you know, the I, and we'll get into this more later, mm-hmm. of course, as yeah. we start talking about like Walt and Walt's decisions, but you know, like when 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 it co- came down to like whether or not to have the surgery and stuff like that. His his whole attitude has shifted at this point. So uh, he needs the money for the surgery if he's going to have the surgery, and it's a decision that he makes without any hesitation. And I think he could have opted not to have the surgery. He could have found different avenues to sell the product that they had, and that could have been the nest egg that he left behind for his his family. But now he's kind of digging a deeper hole, right? Like once he sells this, makes this um, the money for this deal, you know, that's going to go towards his surgery and the the rest of his treatment. So it's it's a uh, some interesting stuff to unpack in this one. Uh what about you? What were your thoughts? Well, yeah, I definitely agree with all of what you just said. Um I was thinking a lot about those those choices and decisions too. I I, th- I think that this teaser is is absolutely gripping like it's hard to it's hard to rank those. There's there's so many of them. There's 60 of them. There's they're all so different and yeah. everything else, but um out of the ones that we've seen recently, you know, this one really uh, stands out as sort of a, you know, a standalone event that that sets everything up. And we'll talk a little bit later about how it's sort of, you know, the the name of the episode, uh, you know, how that's sort of the circle of things. And, you know, this is sort of starts with his death and then it ends with a birth yeah uh, the birth of holly and that's all really uh really nice and um i love the way they use the sound design like uh, the sound of a soda like whenever he's walking around with this big gulp kind of thing yeah. and the styrofoam cup and the the sound of the bike you know the way that puts you on edge um, as far as the decisions and choices, I, I like how the gravity of what they're doing, like this meth operation, how that influences everything and, you know, just everyone basically for different reasons, though. You know, Walt's behavior has pushed Skylar away. Jane's addiction has made her overlook obvious red flags in the process of getting involved with Jesse. I mean, I think those things actually drew her to Jesse, maybe when she, you know, she didn't realize it. And then when she did, she sort of tried to push him away. But, you know, I mean, it's it's an attractive force. Right. And Gus is the same. He's he's someone that we learn is very smart. He's you know, he's he's very good and at setting up this thing that he has going on. He's very careful and um, he's still drawn to the incredible quality of their product. You know what I mean? Like there's, it's not just about money that he can make with them. There's, there's another layer there, you know what I mean? And um, 
And then of course, Walt and you know, the way he's drawn to this idea of power, you know, that feeling he gets from being Heisenberg. So all of that is, is great. I mean, Gus comes right out and says that Walt has poor judgment. Mm -hmm. So to see how that poor judgment really drives everything else is, is pretty fascinating. And, um, also, just on a lighter note, I always love when they get the the chance to do a high speed maneuvers, like you know, yeah. get the get the Aztec out there on the road with him going, like you know, just uh, going for broke inside the Aztec. It's it's a great thing. It really makes that decision of making his car that you know making that his car uh, pay off. I think, and uh, yeah, just a ton of of like really great stuff to get into here in this episode. There really is, and I, I don't necessarily want to go out of order, but just something that um, that you just said, Pete, made me think about Gus's poor judgment, right? So he's telling Walt that he has bad judgment, but there are, there are several times throughout this series, as well as in Better Call Saul, that we get these like flashbacks where we get to see how Gus was, uh, you know, kind of kind of coerced into working with Walt. Um, maybe not like like a coerced, like someone said, you should do it. But for example, I guess I'm thinking of Gail and like when Gail uh, samples the stuff and he's talking to, to Gus and he's talking about how great it is. And, you know, like <laughs> Gail's almost talking himself out of this job because we, we later learned that this was supposed to be like his lab. That's, you know, why yeah. why Gus invested in him and paid for his, his degree and everything. But also how many times like people try to warn him against it. So we see first with uh, with Mike warning uh, Saul not to get involved with them, right? And Saul's like, yeah, but that's like, you know, that's some clay I can work with. Exactly. There. I can sculpt something out of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He sees them as like kind of a golem or something that, that he can uh -huh. bring to life. And I wonder, I doubt, I, you know, I was thinking a lot about this because of course uh, Mike is a double agent that he works for both Saul and Gus. And I think at mm -hmm. this, this point in time, Saul has no idea that Mike is working for Gus. Um, he, that's, I'm assuming the guy who knows a guy who knows a guy, that's like his only connection. He doesn't seem to be aware of like whatever direct, um, uh, connection Mike might have with, with Gus. I don't know. Just, no. just something to, to I, think about. I think about. you're right. Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting that, um, against his own better judgment, Gus decides to work with this guy. So, and what a mistake that was for him, huh? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, of course that's what drives not just this story, but a lot of stories. Right. But I mean, I think it's, I think it's fun to, to just sort of see those, the way that that, that affects different people, you know what I mean? And then for, for different reasons, like you said, Gus is, uh, we don't really, as far as like where we're at in the story right now, we don't know much about him, but by the very end, we know a ton about him, especially in, in, you know, they sort of, they sort of give him that, Last episode that, you know, last time we see him in Better Call Saul, they, they pretty much, in case you missed it, you yeah. know, <laughs> kind of, kind of put that all on display right there and, and sort of, you know, give you a little synopsis of, of what makes him tick there. And, um, revenge. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's like, you know, whenever you think about these bad decisions that, that they all make and, and that all people make and on some level, you think about their motivation, you know, the motivating mm -hmm. factors. And then it gets fun because you think, well, what do, what do they tell themselves they're doing? And then like, what is really motivating that? Like the, the difference between those two things, because, you know, people aren't dumb, but they do 
we we do as 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 you know when we when we when we make decisions and do things like that we do try to make it all make sense right you know what i mean so there's that 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 little bit of dissonance in between why we really do something and then like you know what's what what the real motivating factor was you know and we kind of want to tell ourselves this this story that says that you know, really, it was a good idea, and we did it for good reasons. And you know, you know, I was, I was thinking, I was thinking a lot about it's this. somebody else's fault that it that it, that it, things turned out terribly. I, I was thinking a lot about this, and I guess one of the the things in Walt's favor is that he's an unknown entity. You know, he's this science chemistry teacher that mm-hmm. is unknown to the cartel because, of course, we don't know it at this point in time when we watch this episode. But after watching Better Call Saul, you learn that he has built this lab. In secret, and he's keeping this secret from the cartel. This business that he's trying to get up and running is something he's doing on the the DL. But you know, on the mm-hmm. the flip side, you're like, it's a risk though to to work with someone like that. But anyway, that's that's a whole other conversation about Gus and what makes Gus tick. Yeah, and I think um, to come back around to the beginning of the episode, they do something that's really. Um, they do it more than once in this episode, but they do it really effectively here where they, um, you know, the first time I watched this, I, I was sure that the kid was there and he was going to be collateral damage. Yeah. You know, like I, you know, that, that, and that, and they say this in the, the podcast or the insider podcast that they did this on purpose. Yeah. You know, schmuck like bait. Part of, part of, <laughs> yeah. It's part of what they were trying to do. So good job, you know, first and foremost, that it worked on me. I was like, you know, obviously you see these, these menacing dealers pull up and, and you know, that they're all know, armed flashes yeah. them his piece so that there's going to be a shootout. So of course this kid, he's just riding around just being a kid and he's going to be, you know, shot and it's going to be this terrible thing that's going to be on Walt and Jesse's conscience. And instead, it turns out that he's the gunman. So um, just a really terrific, I mean, tragic, but terrific choice of a way to, um, you know, write this character out and and really uh, give them something to think about as far as, you know, what what their, you know, what what their decisions can lead to. Right. Yeah, and speaking of full circle and this idea of the mandala, I doubt that they knew where they were going at this point cuz I I from just listening to them talk like there's they kind of knew like maybe how like each season would end and they kind of knew like how the whole show would end, you know, kind of had an idea of what they wanted to happen mm-hmm. to Walt or whatever. But what I'm what I'm referencing here is like the idea that these two dealers would end up working for Gus. And that the little boy that they use as their hitman will end up being the younger brother of Jesse's future girlfriend. Um, yeah, so none I, of that. I don't. I doubt they had any of that. You know. But the the idea though that it it circles back to this again, this idea of of the circle of um, the mandala, right? And like how mm-hmm. Jesse's like bad decisions uh, snowball. Again, this sort of rolling cyclical motion, right? So, like the the choices that he has made um, that lead up to this point, right? Putting Combo on this corner, trying to expand their territory, indirectly leads to the death of his his partner Jane, mm-hmm. and will also, um, you know, it leads to uh, the death of this child, right? Um, mm-hmm. Again, indirectly, but it's like all these things are, it's almost like dominoes, right? Like everything is like being put into motion here that's going to have like a ripple effect in the future. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's why I use the the term gravity in the, in my overall impressions, because mm-hmm. it just seems to like things just get pulled in, you know, or like, you know, like a whirlpool or something like that, where it's like, um, you know, something can be way over there and disconnected, but it can get, it can get sucked in, in the process, mm-hmm. you know, a, a person, a, a situation, whatever. It, it's not, and I guess why that really stands out is because of the way that Walt thinks. He just doesn't think that way, right? He just thinks that I got a problem, I need to solve it, and um, he just kind of chooses to look at it, you know, as a like this is this is this is what needs to happen right now, and not what what it might lead to. Because he, you know, I guess part of it's his situation. Like he doesn't have long enough to. Um, you know, let things mature maybe in, in a normal way. But uh, he did get some more time in this, in this episode right here. Um, yeah. Let's, let's talk about that. Yeah. Things are sounding pretty good for him when he goes to see this new doctor. Yeah, they, they definitely are. And so we, we talked a little bit about the, I talked a little bit about this in my, my impressions, but this is something I, I mentioned to you earlier, Pete, but to me, this really feels like full, full blown Heisenberg. And there's such a shift in this character and how he, he acts and like how, I guess, how sure he is of himself and the confidence and the lack of mm. regard that he has. So there, there are a couple of things, right? So like when, when he's told like, we can do this operation, how much is it going to cost without hesitation? We're going to do it. Right. And of course, that's a shift from like when they were first talking about doing treatment and they were concerned about the cost and it was Skylar pushing him like, we'll make it work. We'll find a way. Don't worry about the money, yada, yada, yada. And now it's like the reverse happening there. And so, um, you know, this is something that you mentioned, Pete, like the whole the whole impetus for her to go back to work at Beneke is, you know, uh, that that I guess dealing with the more practical reasons that they need money. They need money to pay for yeah. this stuff. And now, like, you know, with the baby looming and coming at the end of this episode. So there's there's a lot going on going on there and just how he uh I, I guess I I wanted to talk a little bit about why he does this and what does this mean um to you as a viewer that he decides to go ahead with the surgery. Cause I think really up until the point where he got the news that he was in remission, he was ready to die. And I don't think yeah. he, he's ready anymore. I think there's been a, a, a real shift in him. What do you think? Yeah, well, that's these when I'm coming into this, you know, the recording this, there were two things that, that I, I was interested in and in hearing your take on was the why he does this and, and why Skylar goes back to work. Uh, you know, because those two decisions are, I guess they are indicative of where the characters are right now. But they are certainly different than than what they would have done, say, you know, three or four episodes back. Right. So um, if we think about how Walt got to that place, I mean, because, you know, there's there's plot implications, you know, what I mean, like he does it. So it, it actually does give him, you know, that gives them a, some things that they have to deal with, you know, in writing the future of the, the story or whatever. But like as far as the character is concerned. Um, you know, what has he been doing? He, he's, like you said, he was, he was, when he punched the, you know, the big, the last big character moment, like the big crescendo to everything that was happening was him punching that, um, paper towel dis- dispenser. Right. And, and the question there was, is like, what's he so upset about? He is going to live, you know, this is good news. And now he's presented with, 
well, if you don't do this, you're, you're going to eventually die. And he, and he, he snapped decides to do the, the thing that might make him live longer. You know, he, he doesn't, he doesn't think about it even for any amount of time. I mean, like just the idea of like, Hey, we're going to take on 170,000 to $200,000 worth of more debt mm-hmm. with his wife right there. Who's saying, maybe we should talk about this. Right. Because before she was like, no way, anything we can do to, to try to save you, we got to do right. So yeah, they've totally flipped here and there's implications for him in, in, in saying yes, because in the back of his mind, he's thinking, yeah, I can pay for this, but he has to explain how he can pay for that to his wife. You know what I mean? Like, so it's, it's fascinating the way that they decided to do that right here in this moment. And I think, you know, if we, you just, because I'm kind of going on for a long while already, I think it's just that he loves being Heisenberg, right? He loves, he loves the, the, he loves that feeling that he gets uh, that he's been getting compared to everything else. Can you blame him? Um, you know, but at this point when they do this, he doesn't know about combo yet. Right. He gets the call at, he gets the call at work. I think that's after this, right? Yeah, it is. It is. So they, yeah, we see the scene with the doctor and then, um, yeah, he's at work when he checks his, uh, he checks his phone and he sees he has all these missed calls from, from Jesse. And that's when he has that really, yeah, this is following up from the blowfish and we got to ex- expand. So, yeah, I think I think that's pretty clearly what's going on here is that he just he's still he's still getting he still gets that high off of uh, the idea, you know? Yeah, well, just to, watching to- that watching that money machine counting the, the, the bills for him there, you know, like he, he's he's still stoked about it. Yeah, and to to recap where he's he's coming from, so uh, he does have a way to explain the money that he would make from selling this this meth that they made when they got stuck out in the desert, the four days out uh, load of of meth that they made. Because remember, he went to go see his mom, and that was to ensure that there was something for Skylar mm-hmm. and the kids after he yeah, died. Yeah, I guess he could do it that way. So that's why I think this was so interesting to me because he could have just you know not done the treatment, and then he's sells this off, like I said, and then, you know, that's something left, whatever he makes from selling this, that's for Skylar and the kids, right? But he decides to go through with the surgery. So, I mean, first and foremost, he wants to live, right? Like, that's the obvious answer to this. But, you know, I was thinking, I guess I I was kind of playing around with this idea in the last couple of episodes that we recorded, but like when, when Walt didn't die, as he was so sure he was going to die, and he has this sort of like moment where he's like, thinking that he deserves this, that he's done all these horrible things, and um, he's got the pneumonitis and he's coughing up blood. I mean, I I don't want to bring religion into it, but it's almost like in Walt's world, God is dead. And, you know, he has beat death and there have been no repercussions or consequences for his bad actions. So he's like invincible right now. And that's, I think, for this character, incredibly empowering, right? And he is, he's drunk on this power. He's, he's, uh, I don't know, he's a man with, literally nothing left to fear and and i think really enjoys it and uh of course there's like this callousness now to him and in that conversation he has with jesse that we were just talking about when jesse tells him that combo is dead and walt's reaction to that was which one is he and the way he just he says that with uh it's (laughs) it's like beyond lacking compassion right like it's this is someone that is so divorced from what he the 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 horrors that he has wrought right 
where uh, mm-hmm. where Jesse, of course, we see is really struggling with it. Of course, Combo was Jesse's friend, but even if he's not your friend, like I think most normal people, most normal feeling compassionate people would be like, you know, this is terrible. Someone died because of something and we've it's done. It's my fault. Exactly. You know. <laughs> yeah, but he's a uh, he's so removed from it, and he's so removed from that whole part of the process, right? Like, uh, you know, he puts Jesse and you know the Jesse's foot soldiers on the street, and he doesn't have to ever face those those consequences. Whenever we're whenever he, we're, we're we're talking about this, like how how self aware do we think he is here with that? I mean, I, I think those are I think all of those are very um, they're 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 correct assumptions. You know, like that's what we can put together by watching what he's doing. How much of how much of self awareness is there? I mean, there's not much, right? I I think if there is, it's it's really repressed. I don't think he can face that this is what he has become. And yeah, I guess that's where I guess that's where I was going because you're 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 saying you know you think that that's beyond being compassionless, and and I think that's true. And I wonder how much of that is is the just the way he reacts, or if that's just you know what I mean? Do you do you, do you see what I'm saying? Like, um, you know, like it's sort of like when we had when we were talking about him wanting to die. You know, mm-hmm. like th- that's a hard concept for 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 me, like as a human being to. But like I, I can know I can I can I can understand someone acting like you know through their actions, looking at them, saying that person has reserved themselves to die, but like in their head being like, okay, I'm going to die. I'm okay with that. Like that, that's harder for me to put together, you know I mean? Because of just the way that the brain works, I guess. So like whenever we're saying this, I think there's, there's, there's a difference in between what, what he does and, and, and then the reasons why he thinks he does them still. Right. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to Walt's relationship with death, I think another way of looking at how he reacts to Combo and then in the next episode in Phoenix, where he watches Jane die, right? That's another really mm-hmm. huge moment. It's, I think, useful to remember his own relationship with mortality and how he felt about yeah. death. And I don't think he was ever really scared of his own death. You know, and I think that's something that, you know, he comes to to terms and comes to peace with. And it's almost like, I don't know, like, I don't know if it's an unwillingness to 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 think about it or he just can't think about it. But death is a thing that happens to other people and it doesn't affect him. <laughs> I don't know. That's like kind of how mm-hmm. like he he walks around. Um, He's like he's invincible. And I think that's that's uh what really rules him. And uh, mm. I, I don't know. Death is something that happens to, to schmucks, you know, and idiots and junkies and drug addicts and, you know, people that aren't Walt. <laughs> So he basically has a teenager mindset then. <laughs> That's kind of how I was when I was a teenager, yeah. I think, was just like, yeah, this is completely dangerous. But, you know, that getting hurt or something happening or causing problems, that's just something that happens to other people, not me, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess that's one way to <laughs> one way to think about it. <laughs> so, yeah, they're, you know, they, they lost their, their dealers. That's a big deal. Um, they got zero people out there working on the streets and, and Jesse's on border of, you know, just going full binge, you know, into his, his addiction. It's good to know a guy like Saul Goodman when you come to your, to a place like this, I guess, huh? Yep. Definitely. <laughs> so I I love all these, uh, these Saul scenes. 
Yeah, he really is the perfect character to uh, sort of say say the things out loud that everyone's thinking, you know. But like, it's I thought it was really funny how they set up this conversation where Jesse is. I mean, like they should both be feeling pretty low, right? I mm-hmm. mean, that is their fault uh, on some level. I mean, they didn't they didn't pull the trigger. They didn't they didn't set up combo to 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 want to go into selling drugs or any of that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Like there's it's not a cut and dry thing of like they killed combo, but their decisions certainly played a part in that, right? And so you know, I think I I liked the way they set this up where, you know, they're arguing about about things or whatever. And you can see that it would never go anywhere because of the, you know, the two different places they are and the way that they're processing it. And then just having someone like Saul there to cut through it and say, look, this is what you need to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, it's a great scene and, and I love, uh, saw so, so many great lines in that one, um, where he's like, uh, who do I look like? Maury Povich, you know, I'm not your marriage mm-hmm. counselor. And the way he, um, he talks about combo, I think is, is uh, very similar to how Walt thinks about compo as well. It's an occupational oh, yeah. hazard, you know, a uh, drug dealer getting shot, you know, it's been known to happen is is what he says. So, uh, and then why the long faces, you're sitting on a gold mine. So really thinking about the bottom line there, like, uh, you know, there's there's opportunity to, to make money um, and that's where the focus should be. And that's, I think, where Walt does put his focus. Yeah. He says, he says, what are you talking about? 38 grams, 38 ounces, you know, one way or the other. And they say pounds. And you just see that, you know, Saul is like, oh, payday. Yeah, the it dollar signs in his coming. eyes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why the long faces? Because someone just died. And it was like a good friend of, of one of theirs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Why the long faces? You got it a ton of stuff here that you can get rid of and everything's going to be fine. I mean, it's not going to be fine, I guess, but, uh, for the time being it will be. I I feel like I remember there being a question about the way that he says this. I know a guy who knows a guy who knows another guy. Mm -hmm. I feel like people got caught up on that a little bit of like, is there somebody else between Mike and Gus or or between him and Mike and Gus or something like that? Well, we know that Mike holds, you know, his cards really close to his chest and um and we know that that uh Saul doesn't even know Gus's name or anything like that. So, I mean, Mike's pretty smart, so he might be that that connection there that says like I know someone or I'll go through my contact or whatever. Like again, just trying to put distance between him and yeah. uh and Gus. I don't think it's that big of a deal. Yeah, I, I was just saying I think that there were some people that were uh caught up on that little detail there and it, I don't think it really amounts to much. So I agree with what you're saying. I kept waiting for the little black book to pop up, but it didn't. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that that's true. Huh. Do we ever see the black book in Breaking Bad? Someone out there listening might know. Does it ever show up in if Breaking Bad? If I remember Bad? correctly, you know, when he pulls out the card, he just pulls it out of the desk. He doesn't pull it out of the book or anything like that. Don't forget your pants. We'll be back after this short break. We're getting geared up for the 6th Annual Summer Badass Fest. And while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make. 
just like last year, we're kicking off Badass Season with a live movie watch and podcast recording. We've rented out a theater for connoisseurs of action films and bald move fans that just want to have a great time. Unlike last year, this year's movie is top secret. Hush, hush. No hints, except it's incredibly badass. It stars an absolute icon of the genre. We're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be an incredible viewing experience with a packed house of bald movers. Those of you who came to last year's screening of Total Recall know what a party it was. And those of you who didn't, <laughs> now's your chance to experience it. Meet me and Jim, order some custom movie-themed drinks at the theater's full bar, then watch us record the full podcast for the movie. We reserved the venue over twice the size as last year, but seating is still limited. It's happening Friday, 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 June 21st at 7 p.m. in our hometown of Cincinnati. Get full details and buy tickets at baldmove.com slash live. Cincinnati's actually a pretty great city to visit, and we've got lots of details for side adventures on our event page as well. The Reds are playing the Boston Red Sox in their fantastic Riverside Stadium. The thrills of Kings Island just minutes away, and I'll be leading a kayak trip down the scenic Little Miami River on Saturday. Again, get full details and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live live. try to make it super easy to support making podcasts at bald move just join the club but some people aren't a joining type or maybe they're already in the club but want to add a little bit of gratuity for an especially great season of coverage or for a podcast that really spoke to them or gave them that bit of support in a tough time for these and for whatever other reason you might have our tip jar is always open head over to support.baldmove.com and click the donate option to say hey keep doing what you're doing we appreciate it once again, check out support.baldmove.com for all the great ways to help me and Jim keep making the podcast you love. Commission podcasts are an awesome feature here at Bald Move that allows you, the individual listener, to decide what we talk about for a single podcast. The community loves it because it often leads to fun fan-favorite films and TV shows that we've overlooked getting the coverage they deserve. And we love it because we're constantly exposed to great stuff that's not even on our radar. The way it works is simple. You go to support.baldmove.com and you click on commissions. Then you pay the flat rate for the commission and tell us what two-ish hours of content you'd like us to make podcasts on. Then we'll contact you for details, advanced feedback, and any dedications you'd like to make. Then we watch the thing, discuss the thing, turn it into a podcast, and pump it right into your ears. We get consistently great feedback on how much our commissioners love their podcast, and they make great gifts for the dedicated Bald Move fan in your life. And who knows, that dedicated fan could even be you. Treat yourself. Check out support.baldmove.com for more info. Let's get cooking. We're back with more Growth Decay Transformation. So, yeah, Jesse and Jane, huh? Yeah, tough, tough turn, turn, tough turn in their story. Man, the uh, turning point, <laughs> quite literally. Yeah. 
I remember um, when watching Better Call Saul and thinking about um, Kim and her decision to uh, kind of break bad with Jimmy, you know, and become uh, Giselle. I always thought mm-hmm. of uh, Jane turning turning around, and these uh, they love these these huge character turning points, you know, where they come to a to a, a door, and then um, you know, I, I actually I I really appreciate how they it's the characters are intentional in the decisions that they make. You might say like, well, Jesse was terrible for Jane; he pulled her into this lifestyle, but she had opportunity to to walk out, and I think it's what goes without saying that they were terrible for each other. You know. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, it was a doomed relationship, of course, but she was just drawn to him like a like a moth to a flame, wasn't she? Yeah, it makes me wonder. I mean, but in the last, I can't remember if it was in the last episode or the one before. You know, J- Jesse's really hurt by the fact that she doesn't introduce him to her father, and then that leads to the argument later. Yeah. So you know, when you look at it, when you reframe it with what happens here. Part of that is her just trying to protect herself from the fact that she knows he's a drug dealer, right? Mm-hmm. He could never, he could never see that because he, he just going to look at his own low self-esteem or his own self-opinion about how he's a loser and that's what she sees or whatever. But I mean, if we look at it now with everything out there, she's, she was trying to push him away because that would actually have been the healthy decision. And that's, I was going to say, that's a really good point to, to remember. Cause it seems, you know, that the way how dismissive he is of her, like, I just need you to leave. Like he's not open to suggestion or conversation. You know, she even says like, let's go to a meeting it's going to help. And he's like, no, it won't please get the fuck out, you know, sort of thing. Just get out, leave. And, um, so his feelings I think are still, probably hurt from from that so i think that's a good thing to remember and one of the reasons why she might stay might be her own uh her own feelings of guilt or remorse you know uh we know she feels bad about what happened with her little apology girl drawing and everything and obviously she cares mm. deeply deeply about jesse yeah it's tragic yeah you know it happened fast it it, it but it did happen and i think it, it makes sense and you know, addiction is addiction. Like she is, um, you know, there's a, there's a reason for her not to hang out with a guy like him. And this is, this is kind of it right here. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's not necessarily a moral failing. It's a, uh, you know, bad decisions and consequences. And, um, yeah, so it's definitely it's definitely rough to see her her make that decision and like you said it's it, it it's it's great that they wrote it in the way that she does make that. You know, what I mean, like she has every opportunity to leave. She knows what the right thing to do is and she's human and she makes a mistake, you know what I mean? And, and it's not like you can really write it off in any different way. It's just, you know, bad choice. Yeah, and it's it's agency, right? And uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I mentioned this um, with Skylar as well. It's agency, and she's getting involved in in the situation with this guy that she knows is bad. Sometimes those bad decisions look like the right ones. Yeah, <laughs> I think of um, was it a no rough tough type deal when they're in the Aztec in the school parking lot, and she's like, "Why was that so damn good?" And he says, "Because it was illegal." So yeah. You know, there's uh, everyone in the series breaks bad a little bit, huh? Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so she stays. I don't know if we really need to go into any more of that. I mean, it's uh, it's a great – the way they construct the scene is great. I mean, the, the whole um, – the the soundtrack, the I think it's 
Enchanted is the name of the track, right? Um, you see him float up to the sky. Yeah, that happens later um, when she introduces the heroine to him. Oh, yeah. we're I'm skipping ahead a little bit. Am I not? Yeah. Uh, here, nothing happens. She just walks in. Yeah, so. she you know goes to leave and then she turns around and goes back into the bedroom. You know, implying that she's going to get yeah, high so with So let's them. put a pin in that because um, there's more to talk about in the lead up to that, I think. So meanwhile, I guess, after they have this sesh, Jesse shows up late to Los Poyos. That's what happens um, directly related to this, right? And, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's the scene right after. And, and he's high. He is agitated. He's still pissed at Walt because he won't take responsibility he won't make him you know feel better about what happened and um he blows it you know by by being those things by Mm -hmm. looking high and looking agitated and leaving gus is there watching them uh one of the best gus shots of all time like it was almost my favorite shot of this this episode is where he just pops in and says how are you enjoying your meal or whatever he says yeah I, i don't I don't have it in front of me what the what the quote was, but um, great, great Gus Fring. I mean, that's his that's his actual introduction into the series, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the first time we see him. Well, I mean, the first time first time we see him is when Walt goes up to the counter to to order, and you see him yeah, off yeah, to the yeah. side. But that's that's when you kind of get the idea that there's something going on with this guy, right? Yeah, like, they draw our attention um, to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I love the reveal later when he goes back, when he's trying to figure out who he is. And uh, first, uh, there's two mirrored shots. And again, I I was kind of thinking about both of these for favorite shots. I didn't pick either of them. But when Walt first pulls up into the Los Poyos uh, parking lot and you see Walt through the window of the Aztec, but Los Poyos is reflected across his face. And then as he's sitting in the restaurant and the hours are taking by, it's dark outside and he looks out the window from where he's sitting in the restaurant and we see Gus's reflection like right in front of him. And that's mm-hmm. when there's that that moment of realization. So a uh, very clever uh, camera work with this one and how they introduce this character and frame this character. Yeah, I thought about that one as my, my favorite shot too. Um, this one I think was directed by Adam Bernstein, correct? I think so, yeah. Yes. Yeah, and um, it is. It, it's a. Uh, I feel like his episodes are really, they really have momentum. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he's really good at those those kinds of things, um, where things just build up and and it's measured almost in a way. Uh, but yeah, so they 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 screw things up. Yeah, so go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say, um, I I love the way that they did this, right? So like the way like this scene is set up though, where they meet with uh, Gus for the first time. Jesse is late, and Walt's really pissed off at him for being late to this very important meeting. And then mm-hmm. the very next scene after that is Walt walking in late being to late. yeah, and he's late to a mm-hmm. very important meeting, the birth of his child. They're scheduling the C section, right? Yeah, yeah. Um. So you know, Walt's prior. I mean, if you didn't, if it, if it. If you didn't notice, <laughs> they're like, you know, telling you like his priorities are are not where they should be. Right. So uh-huh. he's uh, more concerned about making this drug deal happen than he is about being there supporting his wife and being at this very important uh, doctor's appointment. Right. So and uh, presumably the reason he's late is because he was at Los Poyos. Right. Mm-hmm. And it, and it's interesting there how he he's it's it's pretty subtle, but, you know, he he's kind of 
like, all right, let's go home. And, and he's kind of feeling like that. And she says, oh, well, I have to go pick up the cake for the birthday party. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So you there have there has there's hasn't been a lot of direct Walt and and Skylar, you know, because now she's a she's we see her at work more, you know, related to work more than than at home recently. So yeah, that's a that's a kind of a neat little transition there where he 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 notices something, but he doesn't, you know, he's caught up in whatever else he's doing, so he doesn't really make a point out of it. Yeah, and so I think, again, just how tight this script is, is again, it's showing where the character's priorities are, right? So Walt's priority Mm -hmm. is making this drug deal happen, and that nicely foreshadows the decision that he makes at the very end to go forward with the drug deal instead of going to be with Skylar. Like, they've already kind of hinted Mm -hmm. at it right here. It foreshadows it nicely. And, uh, you know, Jesse's uh, priority is getting high. You know, that's where his, his priorities lay. And then with Skylar... Not that she like has to do anything else, right? Like it's not like she has to go home, but you know, Walt makes the point, like, you know, there's like, you know, like an hour left of work, you're gonna go back to work. And she's like, Well, you know, I said I would do this. I said I would pick up the birthday cake. That's what she's prioritizing in, in her life. So that might also sort of in a way uh forecast the decision that she makes to stick with Ted, stick at Benny Keys, I think. Yeah. Right. Uh <laughs> I think of um uh, just one other thing about the the birthday uh, scene right because we talked about it at the top so we wouldn't have to talk about it too much here but um of uh they, they love doing birthdays in the in this universe don't they um mm-hmm. i think of like uh this uh office birthday party uh of course when when we see uh kim in florida and her florida life at her palm spring sprinkler or whatever it was called and uh she's there yeah. singing happy palm birthday yeah and uh on the insider podcast uh I just thought uh, anecdotally it was interesting that it costs like $20,000 or something. I don't remember the exact figure that they have to pay in order to be able to even use the song Happy Birthday in um in the episode. Yeah, this is ridiculous. It is ridiculous. So we know they they've uh they've coughed that up a couple times. Yeah, I think they said that they they got a deal on it. Mm-hmm. Um to do it and i was thinking boy you know i could have probably lived with it just cutting that scene but i don't know how you would i don't know how you would you know be able to um to sort of make that same point though either you know what i mean like yeah uh, like there has to i guess the the awkwardness of it all does need to be it, it does help um as far as what happens going forward and everything else and then right after that scene at the birthday party, we uh, see Jesse walk into his uh, his apartment. It's trash. There's stuff all over the floor. I mean, we're talking about like a period of like maybe a couple days that you know it's devolved. Tops. Yeah. Tops, yeah. yeah. To to that um that sort of a that sort of condition, and he walks. I mean, into- Combo has already been. He has already been buried. So there was a funeral. So it, it's not it's not like one day. You know, it is it is a few days, but um. I agree. They definitely are are pretty good at making a mess. Yeah, and he walks into the bedroom and um Jane is uh you know out cold and he wakes her up and he's like let's go to that George O'Keefe museum and then she immediately goes to grab um the pipe. Yeah, the pipe comes first. Um and you know, I was thinking about this. They don't go to the George O'Keefe m- museum here, do they? I mean, is that like I, I, whenever you see that in El Camino, they do eventually go there, right? But I don't think that's this day. Is that your interpretation? 
I mean, it could be uh, it would be an interesting project to go back and like look at that scene in El Camino and see what they're wearing, see if it's the same outfit. Yeah, I did, and and it's it's different clothes and stuff. And I think what what makes me the most skeptical of it is just the way they look. You know what I mean? They don't look like they just woke up from a meth binge. Necessarily. Yeah, I mean, but it would have to be around this time period because she dies in the next yeah. episode. It's, so the window, yeah, the window is not not very large. Um, you know, I, I, I guess the if anybody else was thinking that because I was, uh, there's no de- there's no definitive proof of when they go to do that. It doesn't seem like a dream. It looks like you know, I mean, in El Camino, it seems like it's a real thing that happened. I think they they did clarify that too after it came out. Uh, some of the people involved in making it um, that that was a memory, not like a dream or, you know, something, a fantasy that he had. So yeah, it's interesting. They, he's not wearing the same shirt for sure. Um, they talk and they do make it there, but like, it's uh, there's nothing that, that directly connects it here except for this, this mention. And um so that's yeah, something that's interesting. I mean, they might have just smoked. They might have just smoked for a day or two there, whatever the timeline yeah. is, and then went. Or they know. could have changed their. I mean, she's yeah. practically naked, so maybe he changed his clothes or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's possible because uh, when he wakes her up, he says, "Let's go to that museum," and she's like, "Sure." So I mean, they they could have done it later in the day, the next day, or something like that. But yeah, it had yeah. to happen sometime between the events of this episode and the next episode phoenix right which i think um if the timeline is to be be believed is over the span of about a week yeah all righty so they um yeah that's all that happens there on that right then and then um walt i mean does walt have another option here he kind of has to to make this work right i mean they do (laughs) because they are four days out and their whole choice to 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 make so much in such a hurry i mean they they're they have no dealers um you know there there's really they really do need to make this happen so you can see where he's coming from when he calls saul and is trying to make it happen yeah i mean there's there's also the sense of urgency because now he wants or needs the money to be able to pay for the surgery he wants to have um, which mm-hmm. has been scheduled for like four weeks from the time they made that appointment. Yeah. Yeah, I guess there there is a, a sense of urgency. I mean, Saul does say that he could try something else, but this is a sure thing, right? Like it's a guy who has the distribution abilities, who has the money, who has the capital, right? So uh, the incentive is definitely there. To, yeah, to he make says it that he could try. He could try something else, but he doesn't sound very convincing or very like he he tries to temper expectations. Right? Mm-hmm. He doesn't think that because I mean it's not it's a million dollars worth of product. Like that's not that's not you know there aren't that many <laughs> when you go up that high on the on the ladder or the or the the chain of of you know the market or whatever, you know what I mean? Like there, there's only so many people that can inhabit that space, right? That, that just have a million dollars sitting around and want to deal with someone that they've never met before, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, after, right after this is, uh, when he decides to just go sit at Los Poyos and he's going to see if he can flesh him out. And, uh, we already talked about that great reveal 
And uh, I love how, how Gus drops his facade, you know, and he's like, you know, if you have a complaint, I can direct you to our website. You know, yeah. he's, he's got his little Gus mask on. And, um, you know, when, uh, when he finally decides to just uh, to play it straight with him, I, I love how he delivered, how that face falls. And he says, I don't think we're anything alike, Mr. White. Mm-hmm. Such a great moment. It's so Gus, too. It's so... <laughs> It's so true to to this character and how he is uh, throughout the rest of the series and and Better Call Saul. I love I love that. It's so scary the way he just drops his mask. I don't know. Like I I think of also one. Of, I think one of the scariest scenes in the whole series is in the lab when he kills Victor. You know, mm-hmm. and how he comes down. It's another Adam Bernstein episode. Oh, is it? It makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of great stuff here. It, it, it's. It's weird to think about this, what it was like the first time, right? Because we know this character so well now, but Mm -hmm. he was, he really was unique in the, in the, he felt unique at least, right? Like this kind of, uh, you know, he, he, he seems a little square when you see him at work, you know? Yeah. Perfect disguise. And, you know, the antithesis of, of Tuco and what I think most people think of, you know, stereotypes of, of drug dealers. Yeah, and then like you said, he he really um, goes in and out of the facade and uh, and to who he really is, and I really like how he he drops that Mister White in there. You know, that's that's a that's that's implicitly like, I mean, that's like a, there's a threat in that, right? Like, I know who you are. Um, that or maybe, just confirmation, like I know. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Because I mean, that's what I think irks him, right? Because he says, uh, Walt says to him, I think we're a lot alike in that you're, you know, we're both careful. And he's like, uh, no, we're not, you know? <laughs> yeah. And he calls him by name. So that means that he knows that, you know, he looked into him. You yeah. Know? Like this isn't something that he's just basing on the fact that they came in and Jesse was, was blasted. You know I mean? This is, this is, this is about Walt too. You yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's really hard for Walt to deal with because in Walt's mind, he's always the smartest person in the room. He's always the one who's doing the right thing. And if everybody else would get on his program, you know, that's what draws him to Gus is because he thinks Gus is that kind of guy who's pulling it off. Right. Yeah. And I think he, you know, he really he really does see himself as as similar to Gus. And mm-hmm. um, just uh, something in their conversation when Walt asks him, are you familiar with my product? And he says, I've been told it's, you know, it's impeccable or whatever. The line is so you get the sense, especially like with having the front of the restaurants and everything, that this is a person who, like Walt, wants to operate at a distance from the actual crime, right? Of course, mm-hmm. we later learn how deep uh, Gus is in and how like bloody his own hands are, right? When it comes to to yeah. dealing with this stuff, but um, something that we were talking about earlier was how like Walt wants to to be at a safe distance, removed from the realities of what this this means like the violence and you know the the death and all that sort of stuff like he wants to stay as far away from that as as possible and i think he sees gus as the same thing and of course he pegs him completely wrong you know it's just it's just a facade for for gus it's a good cover it's a great mask Mm -hmm. and everything yeah you can definitely see why why walt would be attracted to someone like that because he sees him as as an equal you know it's not Mm -hmm. a tuco it's not a jesse yeah yeah, that's funny how that how that plays into his sensibilities. Yeah, Gus is such a great character. He is. I agree one hundred percent. Have they ever said exactly how they chose the 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 chicken restaurant as 
as his base of operations? You know, I don't know. Not, I mean, maybe they have talked about it at some point, but um, I, I don't know why they chose that. I mean, maybe it was just a matter of location. Yeah, I mean, I was because I was just thinking the same thing that I was thinking when we did the Saul's first episode, you know, two hundred eight, where his, you know, his 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 office is is put together so well, you know what I mean? That, but you get used to it over time, so you sort of stop forgetting about how how great that is, and you know, whenever they um, when they first show this here, I think the establishing shot is the the friars, right? So like, I instantly thought of. Lyle scrubbing the yeah. um, the friars later on and, and better call Saul. And, it is and, it, acceptable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so many good times to come from Los Poyos, huh? Yeah. Actually, the the um, the establishing shot, the first shot we get of Los Poyos is of the parking lot. And it's like... Oh, yeah. It's outside. It's, yeah, it's outside. And um, it's, a, it's a, a shot that they use over and over again throughout the series. So mm-hmm. like the way the parking lot is designed is that you have like two rows of parking spaces that face each mm-hmm. other. And there's like a little walkway between it. And like Gus's uh, yeah. blue Volvo is like always in that first spot out front uh-huh. and it's um, a great visual yeah and the camera's like on the floor like right in the middle mm-hmm. of that little median between um and that little row yeah it gives you that it yeah, it gives you that great line of sight that expands as it goes up to where mm-hmm. the, the title of uh, you know the the name of the restaurant is which is, is that great. was yeah. also another top contender for favorite shot just because it is so iconic yeah i would agree with you there Take a break. Wander around in a fugue state. We'll be right back. Fire up the RV. We're back with more growth decay transformation. So, uh, yeah, Skylar um, confronting uh, confronting Ted about the, um, the undocumented revenue and uh, how she tells him she's not going to turn him in, but that she can't be a part of it. Interesting, How sympathetic huh? is his, his choices here? Not at all. <laughs> not at all okay. no i just wondered i mean he there, for him he he has a good reason to do it right well i think it's all bs though right like you know on the surface uh, yeah. like he's talking about how like he's thinking about everyone's mortgages and his employees and their college tuition and stuff like that but you know and maybe this is just because it's it's hard to know what's gonna yeah happen, it's like. hard to to forget <laughs> The fact that, like, after you know, uh, he's in big trouble, and she manages to get him that gets that gets that Mercedes exactly right. You know, he gets this this chunk, the exact amount of money that he needs to pay the IRS, and he goes and he has to keep up his appearances. So, (laughs) I I don't have any sympathy at all for Ted at all. Yeah, yeah, no, I I agree a (laughs) hundred percent. Having full information, but I think in in. As far as her character is concerned, you kind of, you kind of like she wants to believe that, right? She wants to believe he's a good guy. He did it for an okay reason. Like she, she doesn't agree with it, but that's what she wants to believe is that he's, he's, I don't know why though. Like if, if, if we don't know exactly what happened at this, at this holiday party, well, it's, does it, that mean does that mean that she feels like she was maybe part of it too? Like the whole, you know, like that maybe she brought that on. I don't. I think that's it's all speculative. Of course, it's all speculative. It's I think very, that's, yeah, yeah. I think that's hard to is. say. But what's interesting for me watching this scene is how inconsistent it is with everything we've been presented 
with Skylar's character thus far, right? Like how unbudging she is when it comes to like her sister and shoplifting that tiara and, mm-hmm. um, you know, how she won't accept that. And then uh, I think of that conversation she has with Walt when she thinks he's come back from this like Navajo retreat or whatever. And she's telling him the story about Marie and he says, you know, he's kind of testing the water a little bit. He's like, what if it was me? And she's like, what do you mean? He's like, well, you know, what if I had done something like this? Or that, at least that's the implication that that may not be the mm-hmm. exact line of dialogue. And she says, you don't want to find out, right? So she's kind of got this, like, this hard line when it comes to whatever her her idea of, of ethics or morality is, right and wrong. So I think it's, you know, it's, it's interesting that she's, you know, she says at first she's not going to turn him in, but she doesn't want to be a part of it. But then, of course, she does turn around and she does make herself a part of it. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, why does she do it? Does it have something to do with this history of whatever happened at the, the Christmas party? I don't know. But I think what we do know from what we've seen is that she really likes his attention yeah. She's obviously got some sort of crush going on on him, uh, you know, knocking over her pens or whatever. And like, you know, how how elated she is after singing the happy birthday yeah. thing, you know. So she's she's into him. And it's I don't know. I, I don't. Skyler is a complicated the, character. Yeah. And, and that's interesting, too. Right. Because whenever you have those feelings for someone, mm-hmm. you know, whenever and, and you mentioned this earlier in relation to how they her her, her and. And Jane's decisions kind of mirror each other in, in a weird way. Like they're they're in two different worlds, right? Talking like shooting drugs and smoking meth and end, and then you're talking about white collar stuff with a with a stand up member of society on the other end. But like they there is that there is that that attraction that is um that goes beyond reason in a way, right? But but it's not it's not fully defined in this situation with, with him. And that's why I brought up the idea of like when whenever Marie talks about Ted, she calls him Mr. Grabby Hands because of this thing. Mm-hmm. But somewhere along the line, Skylar has already put that to the side as not a big deal. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, I wonder a little bit about how how she got to that because that 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 might inform a little bit of why she gets to this. Because, like you said, and I think it is by design, right? Like. Mm-hmm. All those points you just pointed out about how she she acts completely differently to Ted doing something compared to someone else. That's the writers had that in mind when they're writing it, right? They of like, course, well, yeah. Yeah. So they want you to see that she's she's acting very differently, very out of character. Yeah, it's it's verboten, and I I think you know the idea that he is someone that's that's bad for her, right? Because he's committing these crimes. She's married, right? So there's like a number of reasons why this is a, a forbidden relationship and he's someone that's that's bad for her but she's still drawn to it like as you just said jane being drawn to jesse is uh i don't know it's mm-hmm. it's interesting and there's definitely some some history there between skylar and ted i i don't know i i wouldn't i wouldn't really want to hazard like what it meant to <laughs> i guess when it comes to like what it meant to her or yeah, you know tricky. whatever so yeah it is it is tricky uh, but you know, I and think again, we know how it all plays out. So we don't really, we, we also know that the speculate, that it's just pure speculation because it's not going to be something they're going to answer for us directly either. They've already established that this is a character that's on track to self-destruct, right? So like we, we talked uh-huh. about this in previous episodes, the smoking, the eating high sodium foods and stuff like that. So she is acting out in, um, uncharacteristic ways and uh, this might just be part of that as well you know she's drawn to it because it is bad i mean i don't think she i guess i should be just maybe just clarify 
I don't think she came back to be a part of his criminal activity. Like I'm going to, I'm going to, I want to do some crime. Uh, I think it's, it's really more of, a, I don't know what else to do. I, this is a job. I have it. I'll figure it out. You know what I mean? Like she's probably keeping the whole decision at arm's length at the, like to the point of like not wholly committed to it either, even though she's there physically. I think that's what they're showing a little bit whenever she goes into labor, right? I mean, and she she needs the income too, right? So I mean, that yeah, that's what certainly I mean. is. Like it's, yeah, yeah, it's it's it it serves a purpose so she can figure out the rest, you know, as she goes. And then we're back to Jane bringing in the heroin, right? Yeah, she a really quick transition, right? So she smokes one bowl and then she's going out and you know bringing back some some uh, black tar, huh? Yeah, and I think that's that's typical. I mean, I, I, they don't. I don't know if they ever really make it clear, but that's that's the way I interpret it. Is that she's not she has nothing against meth. She she says she mixes it together, but what she really likes is heroin. So once she gets once she's off the wagon or or whatever, you know, like once she she relapsed, then she's gonna go and get that thing that that she wanted in the first place, kind of deal. Yeah, her drug um, choice. Yeah, that that's you know, like I said, I don't think they ever clarify that, but that's what it it seems like to me. Um, Jesse, obviously, first time, mm-hmm. first time trying it. He's been around the block, but not not you know on that. He's never rode that horse, I guess. Um, seems like he enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think you could say seems he was like enchanted. it was working for him. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny, you know. They they said that because th- these are. These kinds of scenes are are a little bit weird, you know, because there's it looks like for people who've never done this drug, you know, that does look appealing. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, and so it's a tricky it's a tricky thing, especially with like so many people dying of of ever since, you know, the, the opioid crisis picked up in between when the show was on and like right now in the present. Right. I mean, back then, whenever I was watching this, you know, there was it, it, it seemed somewhat rare to know people that had died that way and and it just seems like it becomes all the more normal now you know like um just a lot more people have been affected by it so yeah this is a pre-fentanyl being cut into everything yeah and so um yeah actually you know if they were making uh making this now you know i mean like they would almost have to they would almost have to address that as far as the cartels and everything else are concerned right because it's just such a different you know meth was that thing at that time you know like there was a lot of like the reason why walt could get into you know why this was such a, a booming business was because there was you know like the producing meth was was like on the uptick in that time still you know what i mean mm-hmm in the time in between, I think it's, it's switched over, but yeah, it's tricky. Like I said, because it does sort of look glamorous in a way. Um, when you don't think about the, the, what all the bad stuff that's going to happen, you know, uh, Aaron Paul does a great job of, uh, floating up into the sky. I guess this is all practical from what they said. They actually lift him off the bed with the camera stays in the same place. You know what I mean? So that it moves with him and it gives you that floating feeling. Yeah. I mean, I think they go ahead. I was going to say, I think, you know, I actually think they do a good job of of balancing it, though. So, like, that's, of course, Jesse's point of view of what it feels like to have that that first um, hit of heroin. Right. And like, that's like the 
um, the elusive thing that that uh, drug addicts chase, right? So it's like always chasing that first high or chasing the dragon mm-hmm. as the expression goes. But I think they do a good job of also showing the absolute destruction of it and how horrible it is by showing the apartment in disarray and that like, you know, these are obviously like people that are sleeping th- through life and um you know jesse at the end when we see walt come in and you know or when he's trying to to get uh i'm skipping ahead i was thinking of the next episode Mm -hmm. but um when he's trying to get jesse on the phone and he's like sleeping through uh the phone call and everything um so i think they do a good job of of actually showing that it's not all it's really cracked up to be you know like it looks euphoric to him from his point of view Uh but uh destroys their lives in myriad of ways doesn't it yeah and i I think even in the short short duration of this episode you kind of see that because you see jane as a vibrant you know caring engaged person all the way up until that moment where she makes that turn in the hallway Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like um she asks him to go to a meeting you know she's 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 thinking another way and then and like you said in the last scene as soon as she wakes up she goes straight to the pipe you know what i mean and and then now she's moving to the heroin like you know like this is not this is not like something that's fun that they're going to have like a blowout weekend. You know what I mean? Like this is like full blown. Um, She's all abuse. in. Yeah. Yeah. Substance abuse, like without any, uh, you know, nothing. Je- Jesse's got cash. You know what I mean? Like there's not a lot of um, the, the, the situation is set up pretty good that they could, they could get pretty messed up for a period of time. And um, you know, I'm sure that's the way it would go. You know, it's funny. the, the we're talking about changes or whatever and so like one thing that i was doing when i was looking at the mess around the apartment i was looking for funyuns <laughs> bags and i was thinking well she might have brought heroin into the relationship but she seems to have uh you know got him off the funyuns at least right <laughs> 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 it seems like that they just more just drink beers and uh whenever they're smoking or whatever but um but yeah, I thought that was a that was a, a, at least like to make light of of a really dark situation, you know, that the the all the Funyuns bags whenever he was smoking weed and trying to forget um what happened to Spooge. This is on some different level stuff here. So, is there anything else you wanted to go over? Well, I mean, the only other thing that happens is that he goes into he goes and does the thing, right? I, mean, I think we we kind of did touch on all that. Uh, great setup for the end, for a conclusion of the episode. Ties back into that man, mandala circle idea, because um, as he's as he's fighting to to make it there in time, he has to make that choice, and he chooses he chooses his empire rather than his family. And thinking more broadly in terms of life and death, right? So we have Combo die and then you have Holly born, but you also have Walt is given his life or the opportunity to live longer, right? Um, mm. And uh, we'll see that Jane dies, right? So there's, you know, it's always like a, a quid pro quo in this series, like, you know, for someone to live, someone else must die. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's it's funny because whenever you think about, we, we were talking about just real quick about Gus as a character and how he is you know, he seems so, um, unique whenever he's first introduced here and, uh, to hear them talking about, it, they were like, well, yeah, we just wanted to make someone that was the opposite of Tuco. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we just wanted a guy who, who wasn't, you know, loud and, uh, you know, scary and, and aggressive and everything else. And, 
of course they 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 took that idea and they made something very very complex out of it but it's just funny to think about the process of like well we had Tuco so what's the next guy going to be like well let's make him not like Tuco yeah. <laughs> you know let's make him the opposite you know mm-hmm. um you want to get into favorite line favorite shot you want to tell me what your favorite line of this episode was so i had to go with Saul i know a guy who knows a guy who knows another guy of uh, Follow up would be um, when they're sitting in the chicken restaurant and they're waiting for for Gus to show up. Walt and Jesse are, and uh, Walt says things have changed, and Jesse says, "I know we got a guy killed." And just how I think that that really that that exchange between those two really puts a, a fine point on how different their outlooks and worldviews are. I don't think there's really much else to say. You know, it's pretty obvious. Uh, what about you? Yeah. What was what was your favorite? Um, I went with the. I thought I I I do like the one that you chose, and then I thought the next one would be for you know the I don't think we're alike at all, Mister White. You're not a cautious man at all. Um, always, you know, just for the reasons I was just saying, you know, just a great way to introduce a character, a great way that he has Walt sort of measured on some levels. You know, he knows what's going on, but then also because it. You know, it says that he knows what's going on and he decides to make that decision to work with him anyways. You know, Mm -hmm. what about shots? So I went with um, I mean, there was a lot to choose from and I already mentioned a couple of them earlier because I I think there are some really great moments. But I went with the obvious one just because I thought it was a really cool effect. That's where uh, Jesse is floating over the room after he shoots up. And, um, you know, listening to the, the podcast, I learned how they actually did that. I wasn't sure watching it how they did that. But um, they had him on a on a wooden board apparently that they uh, then lifted with a hoisted up with a crane, mm-hmm. um, and the camera was attached to that to that um, to that crane as they did that, and uh, a couple of other I think interesting things about um, the behind the scenes of how they accomplished uh, uh, this is that they brought in uh, someone that was a former heroin addict to consult mm-hmm. with them, so um, to show them like you know how to pull up the the liquid and all that stuff and um also i thought this was something that they talked about on the insider podcast was that originally they had wanted of or they actually played this as they filmed it they played frank sinatra's fly me to the moon um and then they later in uh in post found uh enchanted by the the platters so um they had uh who did the music for this one i forget uh he was um it's the same guy it's the it's their music supervisor yeah thomas somebody talking yeah. yeah, I don't know his name. Yeah, I forget his last name. I've heard it a million times too. It's a shame. Um, yeah, Thomas. I don't know. It will come to me after we finish recording. I'm sure. But um, <laughs> he talked a lot about uh, music and the the music they use not just in this episode but in the the whole series. I thought it was pretty interesting, and I thought it was such a perfect choice. Uh, Enchanted. I'd never heard it before watching Breaking Bad. So. Yeah, I thought that he he mentioned some of the other ones that they that they tried and didn't. Some they couldn't get the they some they couldn't afford and some they, they didn't think worked. I like the idea of Sunday Morning by the Velvet Underground. That would have been a good one. I would mm-hmm. I'd like to see that that cut of it. What it looked like with that. But um, I think yeah, they landed with one because in a way you don't want the song to take like the the popularity of the song to take away from this thing you know what i mean because this is the first experience for jesse and that's really the the focus here so you want something that's more just sort of uh what's the word complimentary not not something that's like you know taking away your attention from from what's really happening for me i went with uh the shot of jane 
walking to the door, sort of touching the the door handle and then turning around. And it it was, I mean, there's really nothing special, like visually, like the way they set it up. It's really more about the character and the way that... um, you know the 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 apartment set up in the way that you know the the you know like a lot of it's it's just um secondary you know what works about it so well is just the they're using what they have at their disposal kind of thing mm-hmm. but um yeah i just thought that it was a great time because it's really reflective right it's sort of like you can it gives you enough time to remember everything that's going on through her head while she's doing this while she's making this decision and um you know like a lot of times whenever I've been noticing a trend in TV lately, like where they, they, they'll show flashbacks to things to kind of remind you of what the character's thinking. And I really hate the the, the trend. And I think this is just a great example of how you don't need to do that at all. If you like, just let the characters be themselves and, 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 um, you know, set things up so that you, the, you know, like we'll, we'll catch up on like what they're, what they're doing and who they are by what you show us. Right. And mm-hmm. here they show us this person, like you mentioned earlier, that has agency. She has every chance in the world to walk out of here. And she's thought about it. And she's thinking about it again. And she knows it's bad. But she makes a choice. And um, I think uh, Kristen Ritter really, really sells that in the performance, too. Yes, she does. It's one of those scenes that uh, stays with you, for sure. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's like it's she's turning around it's a turning point you know it's one of those things it's a it's a line you know that that once you cross this you can't go back and um you never really think about that in the moment when you're in her shoes but um it's pretty clear from from this end of it you know from from watching it being the observer and so yeah it really really has to be it has they have to do that right you know what i mean like those are small scenes i guess in a way but like they they really have to to put some thought into it so that um it does like you said stick with you all right so if you enjoyed this episode please be sure to follow our podcast and hit that bell for notifications please rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts and if you wish to support gdt you can go to our patreon at patreon.com slash growth decay transformation and you can follow us on Twitter at Breaking Bad GDT, or you can write to us and give us feedback or ask us questions at BreakingBadGDT at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Join us next week when we'll be discussing Phoenix.